Before we begin today's show, when it comes to insurance, State Farm has all the makings of a top-tier player. First, they make it look easy. You can manage your coverage, pay your bill, and even file a claim from the palm of your hand with the State Farm mobile app, which was just awarded Best Insurance Mobile App in 2019. And like a great teammate, they know your tendencies. State Farm agents are local, so they help you choose your best coverage that fits your needs. State Farm is always there to coach you through with the answers you need when you need them. So when you want the real deal, go with State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And we all know there's a lot going on right now in the world, and because of that, we're all shopping online. Luckily, I just saw that AT&T began doing really helpful things people who want to buy a new phone or device online. First, they're offering a fast, free, no-contact delivery and curbside pickup so that online shopping is as simple and safe as possible. On top of that, AT&T has a flexible return policy so you can shop at ease. You can visit att.com to learn how to shop online from the safety of your home 24-7. Subject to change, restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA. Joining us from Dallas, Texas, the Metroplex, is Timothy Band McMahon making a rare appearance on Sunday. McMahon, welcome. McMahon works on Sunday. The mailman might not deliver, but I do, baby. <laughs> uh, we're, we're recording this before the last dance. Um, there's a lot of last dance content out there, uh, should you choose to consume it. But this will um, be about some other stuff. Uh, and joining us from Boston, Massachusetts, is Tim Bontemps. Hi, Tim. Hello, Brian. So um, <laughs> I was overruled, but here we go. We told we told McMahon he was going to be on with somebody from from Boston, and he just assumed it was Jackie, and uh, that's what he found out. Yeah, this um, is a disappointment. So, uh, Woj reported on Saturday night, and uh, today Sunday night that we're recording this, that the NBA is uh, going to at the end of the week start to allow some teams back into some facilities, some players back in in the states where the some of the lockdown orders are planning to be eased on May 1st. Um, this is a total mess. Um, like much of the stuff that we're going through right now, there isn't a playbook. There isn't a precedent. We're going day by day. Um, certain teams are in states that are beginning to reopen things. Other teams are in states like I, I'm not sure Arizona ever had a stay at home order, for example. Um, you know, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm, I know that they were late to it. I don't know if they ever got to it. So some teams are in states that don't have stay at home orders. Some teams are in states where they're lifting them. And some teams are in states where there's a pretty significant indication that they're going to remain uh, under the current rules for a period of time, maybe another month, maybe shorter, but certainly not by the end of the week. We have some teams that have the majority of their players in their cities and will be able to receive them at their their, or their facilities. We have other teams where their players are spread out either across the country or over across in, or in Europe. Um, uh, Bontemps, this is kind of a bit of a mess, and I, I don't know – I'm not sure – that the NBA wants to do this. I mean, I, all I've heard from Adam Silver is number one, the health and safety of our players is number one. Number two, we're not going to make any in changes to anything until the doctors who we are consulting say it's okay. And, you know, 
I think they've been talking about listening to the WHO and the CDC, and I haven't seen them say that. And number three, you have this problem with certain teams in some states being allowed back in, certain teams in some states not being allowed back in. I don't know what they're going to do, but this is a mess. Yeah, it's a mess, uh, like basically everything else in this situation, right? And I, and I think this, more than anything else, is kind of making the best of a bad situation overall from the league's perspective, right? Since the, um, since the very beginning of this shutdown, there's been questions about what these guys are going to be doing in terms of trying to work out from home, right? McMahon and I wrote a story last month about different teams, you know, trainers working with players, trying to get them equipment at home, trying to handle stuff like that. Um, and, and I think, you know, once you saw states start to open up, you know, like Georgia, where the Hawks are, like some of these other states, Oklahoma, where the Thunder are, Louisiana, where the Pelicans are, as some of these states open up, you are going to have players saying, hey, can I go work out somewhere? And I think while the league would probably rather everybody shelter in place for longer, if there's a choice between going to work out at, you know, a tens of millions of dollars facilities under the supervision of team medical people or like going to play pickup somewhere where they aren't don't have access to their guys, I think they'd rather, you know, take the lesser of two evils and have the guys come in and work out. Um, they basically, you know, mostly shoot by themselves in the gym. I, I don't you know, I think that's probably if you're going to have guys working out anywhere, that's probably about the best place they could possibly go. And honestly, I think we're being naive if we really believe that these NBA players who don't have access to a home gym or to a, to a hoop at home haven't found a way to get shots up. I mean, I'm sure there are, are certainly some, but I'm sorry. If you don't think that guys have been finding a way to, to get workouts in, I, I think that's pretty naive. So if it's a situation – you know, state by state, city by city, to where they can go to their facilities under very controlled, safe as possible circumstances. I think that's a best case scenario. Now, look, if you're the Lakers, if you're the Clippers, and you know Los Angeles has much stricter um, you know policies in place in the vast majority of the country, I can understand that you're not you know real thrilled about uh, that situation that that. You know, other teams are able to open up their facilities and, and have guys come work out, and, and your guys aren't. Um, at the same time, I don't exactly think there's going to be a whole lot of sympathy for the Lakers and Clippers uh, that they're at a disadvantage considering the fact that they're in L.A. is a massive advantage at all times, with the exception of this one. I don't know what the answer is here. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I almost don't have a position other than to say this is – complicated we saw jared dudley he immediately went on to twitter last night and said this could be a competitive disadvantage um and this is i'm also going to push back on that a little bit i mean these guys are basically allowed to go shoot by themselves at a gym i mean it's better that they're allowed to shoot than they're not but it's not like teams are going to be playing uh full contact five on five pickup games for a month and a half and then the lakers and clippers are going to be able to walk on the court See, guys, I'm not sure that there's these guys are all playing. I think there's some guys who have probably prioritized it and some guys who have different access than, than others. I don't know. I've talked to some GMs who've expressed to me that their guys are mostly in apartments and their gyms are closed and they're not going anywhere. Um, and I, yeah, I'm, I've not, seen I'm, some- not saying, I'm not saying that guys are working out everywhere. Um, I, just, I just don't think that this is a massive – competitive advantage 
That's all. I, I don't think the teams are going to be way ahead if they get an extra couple of weeks to have their guys come into the facility to shoot by themselves. Right. When, like you've reported, Wendy, there's going to be probably a 25-day buildup. Anyways, it's not like – I mean, these guys – they're not going to need 25 days to get the mechanics on their jump shot down. Now, maybe you can give them a little head start conditioning-wise if they have access to a to a full weight room, but I, do, I just don't see it as a you know a tip-the-scales, game-changing type of, of advantage. Well, like I said, I don't know. I will say this, though. The more people I talk to, I've, I've been talking to a lot of coaches recently, they're, they're really concerned about the fitness level of their players. I think Chris Paul yeah. – Gave an interview, I think on Thursday or Friday, Royce Young um, quoted him, and he talked about um, that he thinks that the teams would need three to four weeks, which you know kind of fits in with the 25-day thing that was discussed. That a 25-day thing was an idea that was posed by, by a collection of coaches. It's not the NBA's official right. policy. They don't have official policy yet. Um, but I, I think it's an example of how this is going to be complicated even more so going forward because there's a possibility down the line from now that gatherings of over 50 people, which is what you would need to stage yeah. any kind of game, whether you're in a bubble or whether you're not, there's going to be certain states that are going to say this is okay. We think we're in a good place. We can have that. And there's going to be other places where it's not. You know, I do not well, see well, we can go to 50 Vegas people. Well, we can arenas. I mean, they don't care. <laughs> well, they're interested in being a control group is what I heard. Uh, but, you know, like I, I don't foresee the 50-person gathering being uh, permitted in New York City any time in the near future. Hey, the and suburb that, next to me, if they can play it on patios or restaurants, those are open. We can just go do that. Seems like a yeah. great idea. Well, I, yeah, I just, I just don't know. Um, th- this is, you know, the, the Adam Silver was extremely clear about one thing. And that was that he was, they were not going to evaluate anything about where they were going to go as a league until after May 1st. And he even said, don't come to me on May 1st. Right. Expect, you know, and then, but here we are. They're, well, their hands are being forced a little bit. I think he was also clear about two other things. Um, and that was one, testing has to be available wide scale. Like the NBA is not going to be hogging all the tests. It has to be like the testing issue has to be solved nationwide. And two, he did mention specifically that that cases need to decrease 14 straight days. So, you know, you know, he he was very clear that, look, he's not going to know May 1st. Like, you know, that's just not going to happen. But he he was at least clear on a, a couple of things that need to happen before serious consideration about putting a plan in place to, to resume the season uh, starts. Well, I certainly hope that if cases do diminish for, for 12 straight days, we can get excited about 14 straight. Um, uh, who knows? Um, there was an interesting interview that was uh, given by Draymond. Uh, most interviews that Draymond gives when he's, uh, when he's fully engaged are interesting. He's one of the more colorful people in the league. Um, he has no problem stating his opinion, uh, stating his truth. I don't know if it's always the truth, but his truth. <laughs> right. And he, he was on an interview um, on Uninterrupted with Maverick Carter and um, Paul Rivera, who's also in the Uninterrupted camp, the LeBron operation. Um, so 
in that interview, he talked about some of the frustration that the Warriors felt with Kevin Durant last year. And before we even talk about it, I'm just I'm I am in favor of truth telling. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this interview, McMahon. Uh, well, why don't you uh, maybe summarize what you took away from it? Um, go ahead. Well, I mean, the gist of it was, you know, coming off watching the first couple episodes of The Last Dance, and obviously this whole thing is about the whole year, it was very publicly clear. Like, there was no gray area, black and white. This was Phil Jackson's last dance, and basically Jordan Pippen and the gang knew, hey, this is it. We're going to play this season and then see ya. And he basically said Kevin Durant should have have operated that same way instead of having the uncertainty and, you know, having everybody around the locker room have to answer all the questions about his pin and free agency and that being this kind of murky cloud that hung over the, the Warriors, you know, season all of last year. And I think that Draymond pulled off an impressive double here. He was bluntly honest and completely full of crap, which, you know, look, he told, like you said, he told his truth. He told the truth that the the way he sees it, I'm sure the way he believes it, and I'm with you. I absolutely appreciate guys who are willing to say what's on their mind, what they think, and not just, you know, PC, blah, blah, blah. So I'm not going to criticize him for speaking, you know, the, the truth the way he sees it. But we're going to analyze his truth, and the truth is, is extremely hypocritical. Because, dude, so why didn't you stand up before the 73 win season and say, Harrison Barnes, Andrew Bogut, this is your last dance, baby, because we're going to be recruiting KD all year long. I'm going to seal that deal, because <laughs> you know Draymond was confident he was going to do it. And so, boys, enjoy your last season in the Bay, and <laughs> you know, good luck. Well, hopefully you'll, you'll land on your feet. You know, and, and, and I, here's uh, a deal. I want to go on, Bond Temps. I, I, well, I thought you were done. You gave a long pause there. I want to uh, I want to read a quote from Steve Kerr at the opening day press conference of the 2018-19 season. We have a lot to celebrate. Three titles in four years. A chance to add another one in our final season at Oracle. A bunch of free agents. A lot could change. We don't know. Uh, obviously we want to keep this thing going, but at some point you just have to enjoy the moment, enjoy the now, because there's going to be so much speculation as to what's ahead. Nobody knows what's ahead. Uh, the truth is everybody knew it was ahead and that the Warriors went into last season, uh, very confident that this was going to be the end of this run. Uh, McMahon and I were around the Warriors the year before, uh, in the Western conference finals when they beat the Rockets in game seven in Houston and barely celebrated because they were like already miserable with everybody. And you guys were around them last year during the Western Conference playoffs when it felt like kind of a similar, just like March, like death march to the end. Oh, like they they that's not true. Houston last year. That's not they true. They celebrated in Houston last year. I can promise you that. Well, that's, well, that's true after Durant got hurt. But I, that Durant, was, uh, I think they celebrated shutting the Rockets up is what they that, celebrated. Okay, that's fair. I'm just saying throughout last year, what did we hear? It was just constant. There was constant grumbling about everything, right? Durant was annoyed about stuff. Him and him and Draymond had the big feud on the bench. There, there was just stuff going on for basically the last two entire seasons. And nobody was ever really happy. Like, they had moments where they were happy along the way. But for as good as they were, it wasn't like they were jumping around for joy all the time. So, you know, like you were saying, Tim, like Draymond can look back and complain about stuff. But it, it's not like they went into last season 
thinking that this was going to go on for 10 years and they were blindsided by the way it played out. I mean, well, this, and this the other thing is, look, you can't be shocked. I mean, you're flirting with KD while you're while you're coming back from three one to beat the uh, to beat the Thunder and, and and knock them out of the playoffs, kill their their best chance to win a championship. And yeah, so I wonder, you can't uh, be shocked when KD decides after a couple of years, after three years. Yeah, the, the question I would like to ask those guys, and I, I honestly, I I'm not in the mood to I, like I wouldn't pursue this, but I'm just saying. I'd like to know what those guys thought about Kyrie hunting Durant on the market during the, as the year was going on. I'm sure that didn't thrill them, but again, they had been sort of doing the same type of thing. <laughs> exactly. You could not like it, but also yeah, not the have other thing, a leg to stand on. Yeah, I, I would say turn around is fair play on that one. The other thing is that in the, in the process of the interview, and maybe Maverick was just moving the conversation along, but Maverick agreed with Draymond. He was like, "Yeah, yeah, tell him this is this year's done." And I was like, "Really?" <laughs> because because uh, LeBron three yeah. times has uh, left his team. Now I'm gonna tell you, all three of those times he played till the buzzer. Um, it happened that um, none of those, all of those three times well, ended I mean, disappointment. Hey, but say what you want about KD, but he literally that's know, right. left. I mean. If, the guy came the back when he shouldn't have and shredded his Achilles trying to win a, a third championship he, for the Warriors. So you can't question his, you know, his buy-in there. Here's what I speculate. I don't know for a fact, but I speculate what irritated Draymond and the Warriors was that period during the season when KD stopped talking to the media. Yeah. And it coincided with the Porzingis trade in uh, in New York where mm-hmm. the – the Knicks put out a statement that said, this trade clears two salary cap slots. You know, it was basically an announcement. Uh, it, you know, it happened right around the All-Star game where Kyrie and Durant were basically two peas in a pod. And they basically made the announcement that this is Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving's salary slots. And then KD didn't speak to the media for, I think, 10 or 11 or 12 days or whatever it was. Yeah. And I, I suspect that that period annoyed them. I could see them being frustrated with that exact period by their, by saying, look, this other thing happened in the league, and I realized that you didn't make the trade, which is what Kevin said when he, when he broke his silence. He said, hey, listen, I don't have anything to do with the Knicks. And he was right, by the way. He didn't have anything to do with the Knicks at the end. But, um, you know, when LeBron had been, has been a free agent, LeBron has dealt with it. In the right. media. Now, what he's mostly said is, look, I'll deal with it at the end of the season. Don't ask me. I'm done talking about it. Um, but he he would deal with it straight on. And again, that's what I'm guessing annoyed his annoyed his teammates is that he shut it down with them. Probably intentionally. I don't think Katie minded leaving leaving those guys kind of twisting in the wind and then making them answer questions. I mean, that was after the blow up with Draymond. That was obviously well after the awkward parade jokes about, uh, you know, KD not deserving the same kind of a deal as, as Steph or whatever. That um, was so, such an odd moment in the history of Durant in, in Oakland. I, this, I, is, I, this is what I'm saying, though. Going back to the start of the 17-18 season, things were never right with that team. That whole prior season, they were never right. And Steve tried to reset it going into that final year, but – even then, it was never right. Like, after that first title, the vibe was just never good with that team. There was It was always off. 
that whole year. Like, I, I don't think it was any, like, I'm sure they were annoyed by that one stretch. And obviously the blow up with Draymond was a thing, but like, I don't think there was any one moment. It was just a buildup of two years of awkwardness and weirdness. And it just kind of went the way it was eventually going to go. Well, and, and, and let's all, let's all get our violins out and play sad music for the Warriors who signed one of the greatest players in NBA history and had him be their finals MVP twice. Well, yeah, he also saying, took like, he also took less than the max. Yeah, like uh, I <laughs> along mean, the yeah. way. There you go. The, the KD stint in in uh, in Oakland is not a sympathetic story for the Warriors. Like they benefited, <laughs> they did okay in that deal. Yeah, exactly. And I, I certainly wasn't trying to insinuate that. It's just from the that start of that second season on, it just it didn't feel like something was going to last a long time. Like there was even some question about whether he was going to come back after the second season. So. The way it all shook out, you know, it's not like we got to July and we're surprised that he signed somewhere else. You know, I think going mm-hmm. going throughout the season, everybody kind of, I mean, obviously the, the finals and the injury changed the trajectory of things a little more than we expected. But I think the, the eventual outcome wasn't exactly something that really shocked anybody. Of course, we also didn't have to wait until July to find out where he was signed <laughs> or, or, or for free agency to open. <laughs> you know, I have to say, though, real quick. Uh, I understand that they were celebrating beating the Rockets, but uh, in the the book that Ethan Strauss uh, just put out called The Victory Machine, um, which I just recently read, he talked in there about the emotions of them winning last last uh, season in Houston. Mm-hmm. And Steve Kirk was quoted in that book. I know he said in other places too, but basically that he regarded the victory in game six where Steph was scoreless in the first half. Durant was back um, rehabbing mm-hmm. his initial calf injury. Um, and then Steph exploded in the second half and they won to end the series. He regarded that as one of their greatest wins in their run, even though it was a second round victory in a non-elimination game. Um, and well, he wasn't playing in that game. That's what I'm saying. And I, yeah. I remember that night. That was one of the more fascinating nights of the last decade that I've been covering the NBA. Because number one, the celebration that they had just in general, I, I had almost never seen it. Um, the guys were coming off the court, basically cursing out Chris Paul. Chris mm-hmm. Paul, DeMarcus Cousins. <laughs> By the way, was saying some, going into both locker rooms. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the other thing. So, so they have this basically just short of a champagne celebration for winning that. Um, for a team that had won three titles, it was a stunning celebration. The second thing was James Harden's ridiculously cryptic press conference, which mm-hmm. took place very late in the night. Um, McMahon, it was an hour, 45 minutes after the game ended. It was just way, way late, deep into the Houston night. And he, what did he say? He was like, um, I know what needs to be done. And I know what needs to be done. And then I was like, well, you know, what is that? And he, I, didn't, I couldn't even hear when I tried to transcribe it. He mumbled something. We'll figure it out. Yeah. And then, and then that was it. That was like, okay, thank you, Rockets. Have a nice summer. <laughs> yeah, like have a nice last... summer. Uh, and by the way, no accident interviews tomorrow. Right. <laughs> um, I remember sitting there in that press conference with you and going, what the hell was that? I mean, it was, well, it the was funny thing is, 12, if you remember, in the morning. Chris, I don't even know if Chris had time to take a shower before he did his press conference. It was like, boom, here, you know, okay. So, like he, he uh, went before Steve Kerr. He was so fast. Remember? 
Yes. And then obviously Harden took. So, yeah, you had the whole Rockets weirdness, and then you had the Warriors. And you're probably right. They were probably celebrating knocking out the team that was, oh, but if, you know, a hamstring away, blah, blah, blah. They heard that crap all year. And then they no were celebrating. They hate the Rockets. Oh, yeah. And then no they question. were celebrating, hey, not only did we knock you out, but we did it. Without KD, we did it down the guy who was kind of the center of all the drama all season. Yeah, long. and I don't and, necessarily know if they were doing it be- to try to prove something to KD. I just think that they were celebrating the accomplishment. Yeah, and, and again, the whole year, the sound coming from Houston was if Chris Paul didn't get hurt, we were winning that series. And then also the refs screwed us, and that obviously blew up early in that series too. And then, uh, you know, Lo and behold, Kevin Durant, who's, you know, there's not a lot of players that are obviously better than Chris Paul, but he's damn sure one of them. He goes down, the Rockets close out that game, and then come back to knock him out the next game in Houston. Yeah, that was the that was after they won game five. Uh, that was when Kerr stood up, got up on, and he uh, um, parroted um, the Liverpool coach. Jurgen Klopp. His, yeah, uh, Jurgen Klopp. Uh, my guys are effing giants. Um, <laughs> that was some series, McMahon, that you and I covered. It, <laughs> that was some. Series. It was a rare. Both it was a rare both happy Rocket moment Warriors from those two seasons. It was a it was a rare happy moment from those two seasons. That was what stood out to me about it from afar, watching it, having been around Golden State. That and it was before. and it was with KD, you know, not there. Well, and that's mm-hmm. well, that's what made it like they they were kind of back in like the nobody believes in us mode that they were before, right? And so they kind of reveled in that. Well, like when nobody believed, it was we believe. Right. Well, I was yeah. there for that one too. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's true. true. You've been around for all the different Warriors iterations. Yeah. Um, all right. So um, we have got some questions that came in from our hotline. The first is that why the hell do we have bomb temps back on? <laughs> that one oh, isn't wait, on I here. You must that have. One you must have just called it in right before the show. Um, <laughs> All right, so um, we're going to knock out a few of these. Um, here's a good question. Hey, guys. My name is Devin from New York. Um, so my question for you guys is, other than doing this podcast, uh, what have you guys been doing during this quarantine and how you guys have kept yourself occupied? McMahon, you've been eating lean cuisine and yeah, um, um, doing ballet I, with your daughter or something. What no, else? My daughters aren't little wusses like that. We do better stuff than ballet. I, I was playing daily uh, horse with my little one. She shoots right hand. I shoot left hand. Um, but I managed to hurt my back grabbing mm. a T-shirt out of the dryer, which might <laughs> be a sign of age. Also might be a sign that the dryer is not best used as a as a dresser. Um. <laughs> I've so I've been hanging out with my girl. The, the silver lining is I do get to see my girls every day, which obviously this time of year that that is a you know something that never happens. So that's been fun. Um, you know, obviously we do have some free time. I've got I've got just the finale left in, in Game of Thrones. I've mowed through that pretty good. All right, Bontemps. By the way, Bontemps, I got a I got a package from Bontemps this week from Boston. Uh, from Boston. Uh, bon Temps' fiance, who I won't name her because out of respect, uh, made masks for my whole family, including my two year old. Oh, you I can shout out Kelly, she'll be excited about it. Okay, that. I just didn't want to, you know, 
Well, she made I'd masks. be embarrassed too if I was Bon Temps <laughs> fiance. No, uh, I thought I thought he shipped you some uh, stuff from the Boston dispensaries, but the oh, masks no, are nice too. No, nothing like that. In Nebraska, you probably have like a corn cob pipe. <laughs> bon Temps, what have you been doing? Uh, well, to your point, my fiance is making a bunch of masks for people, um, which has been pretty cool. And uh, otherwise, we've both been working a lot and working out. Got a Peloton, working out on that every day. Ooh. Uh, and otherwise, just uh, just working. There's a lot of, uh, I mean, you and I, me and McMahon did a story. You and I have done a few stories, Brian. I mean, there's a lot. There's weirdly a lot of stuff going on still. Uh, people, even though there's no games, I mean, it's kind of like just a never-ending offseason almost. There's just a lot of... Uh, a lot of different things going on with the business side of things and, you know, what's going on with whether the league's going to come back or not. So it's been pretty busy work-wise, actually. Hold on, Bond Tips. I got to know, whose idea was it to get the Peloton? Mine. Oh, so was it like that commercial? It was not <laughs> like the commercial. Okay, good. <laughs> Uh, it was, it's been, cold in Boston for like eight months a year, and we can't go outside. So it gives us a way to work out without having to go outside in the snow till May. Yeah, and don't go outside in Boston right now either. Uh, there's no stay-at-home order lifting in Massachusetts. Just stay put, please. That is correct. Um, yeah, I've been. Uh, I've almost never been busier because my two-year-old is home from daycare, and um, taking care of him has been extremely challenging in addition to doing my daily work, still doing a lot of work. So. Um, I've actually been um, working and spending more time working and taking care of my kid than I have before. So it's been I, – I see people talking about binge-watching stuff like you, McMahon, and I uh, I, don't know, I don't know how it happens. God, do I, can I stop and like talk about how much work I'm doing now so the bosses hear that too? God, you guys <laughs> well, are they, I just mean, – I mean, I'm just telling world-class butt kissers. Good Lord yeah. have mercy. All right. Um, let's get to another one here. Hey, this is Sean from Dallas. I got a question for you. As you consider the MVP, uh, I'm assuming you're looking at Giannis and also LeBron. Ask yourself one question. If you had one season to win a championship, would you take Giannis or take LeBron? Don't give me any kind of statistical data or any advanced statistics. Just you got to put all your money on the line, your house, your kids, college fund, everything. And you needed to win a championship series. Are you taking Giannis or are you taking LeBron? With all due respect, Sean, that's two totally different questions. Asking about who I'm playing for my kids' college fund and who I'm voting for the MVP. That's two totally different questions. Yeah. Giannis totally is the regular well, season let's, MVP let's, and let's LeBron's change, the guy I pick. Let, let's, change, let's change the question a little bit then. So if you're picking – if the playoffs start tomorrow and you're picking a guy to go through the playoffs, which one are you picking? LeBron, the guy who I've seen carry teams to finals year after year after year after year, and I've seen win championships. Yeah, I mean, he's he's going back to the old um, Rachel Nichols thing, which is who's the best player and who had the best season. Giannis had the best season. LeBron's still the best player. That's why I changed the question, Brian. Who are you picking if the playoffs start tomorrow for the playoffs? Well, I'm picking either of them or somebody else. LeBron. And and the other thing is, look, aside from the 2011 finals, LeBron's got a pretty significant cojones factor history where, you know, that Giannis has yet to prove himself in that department as in terms of at least deep in the playoffs. If I'm picking one player starting now, I pick a Kawhi for this question. Okay, but he wasn't he wasn't profit. I know, but I'm just saying that I changed the question. I asked a different question. So you have to to call the number. 
402 something 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 they something, blocked something. they blocked Bontemps uh cell. <laughs> What's the phone number Andrew Hahn? Uh 402-316-2955. If you have okay. a jingle at ESPN underscore McMahon. <laughs> McMahon has exactly. his own jingle already. Uh, it's retired. Yeah, it's retired. Yeah, well, no, we'll still hear it on, on, on the radio. My name is Josh. I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, lifelong basketball fan and NBA fan, despite never having a hometown team. Uh, my question pertains a little bit to that. I know it's not the task at hand, but um, I know the NBA, like any well-run organization, is always thinking about its growth and its expansion. Um, Kansas City has not had a team since the uh, Kansas City slash Omaha Kings. Um, my question to you guys is, uh, based on your expertise and your insight into the league, um, in the next 20 years, besides an obvious destination like Seattle, where do you see the NBA expanding new franchises? Um, appreciate everything you guys do, and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks. All right, I will, we'll just knock this out real quick. Um, I will say that I do not see NBA expansion on the horizon um, uh, because there are still some teams in this league that um, that lose money and require um, require uh, some significant help from their partners, and therefore you'd want to have thirty healthy markets before you thought about adding thirty one or thirty two. I will having, add one one caveat to that. Brian. Having said that, having said that. If someone's willing to pay $2.5 billion, uh, this might be the time to offer them owners free money. Hmm. That was going to be my caveat. So there you go. Yeah. Um, so Also, uh, look, I would rule out relocation in the well, that's a not different too question. distant future. Yeah, that's yeah. – yeah. Kansas City's issue, uh, they have a fantastic arena, but they have not had somebody – who has stepped forward and said, I have billions of dollars and I, all I want is to bring a team to Kansas city. Like, um, Clay Bennett did to bring a team to Oklahoma city. What's Warren Buffett doing? I also believe the owner, the owners of that arena, I think are very happy to just have it full of, I mean, obviously it's not full right now, but full of concerts for about 300 days a year, I think. And, uh, they have not really, I don't don't think it's 300, but yes, uh, it's a lot of days. It's full all the time. Seattle has an ownership group that's trying to make it happen. Um, that is clear. Um, so that's why Seattle will be the leader. The other ones would be L- Las Vegas. And I think Adam Silver wanted Mexico City, although with the events of this uh, this last few months, I don't know if uh, – well, they're, the G- they're still allegedly putting the G League team, Mexico City. I, I, mean, I think Mexico City is on the list. I tell you what, ask the teams who have played in Mexico City, ask them privately what they think of that idea. I mean the, the, the just getting to the airport, to the hotels – is an a just a a marathon. Oh, I've done it. It's 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 a it's an it's a real event to try to get to the games there, but I I think it's on the list. You know, it's appealing well, to the league on a lot of levels. Let's see on on one level financially. Wow. There is a possibility with all the strain that's happening on the financial system right now that some teams going to up on shaky ground. I don't know which teams those are going to be. <laughs> But it wouldn't be surprising to me if we had a sale or two in the next couple of the next year to eighteen months, and let's see what happens relocation wise. I don't think Kansas City, um, Josh. I'm sorry, I've not heard anything about that. Brian, um, uh, we can uh, we can scrounge up two and a half billion right on this podcast between the three of you guys. Let's do it. Well, for which team? What, I got about. Hey, I just got a uh, 
I just got a surprise check for 20 bucks today, so I'll throw that in. All right, good job. <laughs> There's the seed um, money. Hey, guys, just wanted to call and say again, thank you so much for doing the podcast because it's giving us a little bit of sanity right now. I'm calling from Brooklyn, New York, and I'm wondering who you think the Knicks, the next Knicks head coach should be. This just will break the Nets' hearts because we got a Brooklyn uh, guy who cares more about the Knicks than the Nets. Um, everybody and their brother in the league thinks that Tom, that, uh, Tom Thibodeau was is, is, is the leader in the clubhouse for this one. Um, Long time associate of Leon Rose. That would, that's, and West, uh, West, I, I think and they should West, do West. something unconventional trade for Chris Paul and have him be player coach. <laughs> I don't Basically, think it's legal. If, you trade, if you trade for Chris Paul, it will. <laughs> he, he's going to be, anyways, if you trade for him. <laughs> that's true. Um, you know, I'll, that was still allowed. Chris would be good at it. Oh, here's, yeah. a, here's what I'm saying all I'm going to say about Tibbs. If you commit to Tibbs as your coach, you have to get his players in there. Yes. You know, you can't, you know, he is not the type of guy who will come in and then make the best of what you got. I'll tell you this. They've, they've got plenty of power forwards. He loves playing old school power. Well, Taj Gibson is already there. He's, he's, he acquired Taj in Minnesota um, when he got there. But like, that's the thing. Like if you're going to commit to him as your coach, and I think he still can work, but you're going to have to commit to retrofitting your whole roster. And by the way, let's just remember Let's just remember, Minnesota's made the playoffs once without Kevin Garnett, and it was with Tibbs as the coach. So, I mean, with I all his players, coach. so well. But I'm just saying, I, to your point, like I think he could still coach. Like, there's other things that have to be fixed in New York, but there would be worse things to do than hire Tibbs to coach your team. I would uh, say. Okay, who, like so, we've established we think Tibbs is the clear, most likely candidate. Who who else do you think would be a good candidate? I'll throw Kenny Atkinson out there. I was going to say, with the, with the roster they have and the young talent they have, um, and look, as somebody who's lived in New York for a long time, those two teams love to stick it to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Kenny would be a hell of a hire for that. And, and what, did, what did Kenny Atkinson do in Brooklyn? He developed young talent and established yep. a culture. Now, the culture yep. completely changed and whatever, but there's no debating the success that he had doing those two things. Oh, he'd be a hell of a he'd be a hell of a hire for them for sure. He would check all the boxes that they should be looking for. And you wouldn't necessarily have to retrofit. I mean, you know, look, I know they signed a bunch of guys to short term deals anyway. I know we're not talking about a championship core here, but um, no. But what's their number, their number one priority right now is to develop R.J. Barrett and to develop Mitchell Robinson and to develop whoever they draft in the whenever the draft is right. I mean, assuming they don't sign a free agent. Like that's that's going to be the core of their team. So yeah, Kenny makes a ton of sense for that. Yeah, he actually makes more sense with where they are than Tibbs does. Tibbs is more of so. a of a I don't know if he's a closer, but more of a middle reliever um, than than uh, than Kenny. But yeah, uh, Tibbs right. is a guy you hire if you think you have a playoff team that just needs to be tougher and that sort of thing. I agree. All right, Andrew, let's play one more. What? Is this the Hoop Collective? This sounds crazy, man. Y'all just giving out fake numbers. Anyway, I want to know your best Hoop movie. Juana Man, Forget Paris, Coach Carter, Above the Rim, Blue Chips, White Man Can't Jump, Eddie, whatever. Give me that best movie. McMahon? <laughs> I mean, you have to at least throw Hoosiers in there. Um, I think White Men Can't Jump. He Got jump, Game though. is not mentioned. as a yeah, He Got Game. <laughs> White Men Can't Jump, to me, is my favorite all-time Hoops movie. So I'll, I'll go with that. I'll go with old Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes. 
or Nick Carlson or Russell Westbrook. You remember those Halloween costumes? Yeah, those are pretty good. I mean, Blue Chips is Blue Chips is pretty good too. I mean, Shaq and Penny were in that, right? Yeah, Shaq and Penny. Yeah, and, I mean uh, that's pretty good. Any movie with Shaq and Penny playing basketball in it is a basketball movie. It's pretty good. I was gonna say, if you're gonna say any movie with Shaq in it, I know you didn't like Kazam. <laughs> so I said that's why I made clear Shaq playing basketball. So first off, in Eddie. Which, if you don't know what Eddie is, it was uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Let's have Whoopi Goldberg coach the Knicks. Why not? But let me just say something about that movie. Um, they got a bunch of uh, current NBA players at the time, and they what they did was they had them act like on the court, and they like recreated like trash talks for the movie. And the unintentional comedy is glorious in those scenes. And I like that's something we should have done today. Like, could you imagine, you know, whatever Space Jam is going to be, but can you imagine like putting together a Warriors versus Rockets game in a movie and having them like have written lines and have their trash talk? I mean, this would this would be great just just for those scenes alone. Um, Also, I don't know if really Forget Paris was a basketball movie it's about a referee there's but again there's a couple of classic scenes with players in them um one of which billy crystal starts throwing everybody out and uh he has interactions with various players and just for those scenes because they involve like regular nba players having like regular nba you know alleged regular conversations i like also there's a classic scene with the bird doesn't involve basketball, but there's a classic scene with the bird and forget Paris. Do we have but, to mention uh, Space Jam? Probably. Yeah. During the Space uh, Jam is good. Fish that say Pittsburgh's pretty good too with Dr. J back And I've also I actually watched this the other day at the end of a of a long, grueling, really uh, busy work day, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I I'm a Will Ferrell fan. I enjoy semi pro. Oh, partially, partially based on the book um, "Loose Balls" Loose from balls. my colleague, my old colleague Terry Pluto, um, which book. was a which was a which is an oral history of the ABA. That's one of the and, best NBA books in a different category ever. Yeah, well, sure. not even the NBA. It came out, I want to say, in the late eighties. Basketball 80s or, books, yeah. Yeah, well, it came out in like the late eighties or early nineties, and like if you went back and read it now, you would first off, of course, the stories from the ABA were crazy. But you wouldn't believe what those guys, what the stories they were willing to tell. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, but this part, in fact, Will Ferrell gave an interview to Sports Illustrated where he openly admitted that the movie was based partially on loose balls. And Terry, I remember talking to Terry about it. Terry's like, where's my royalties? We had no you, got nothing. <laughs> you got absolutely nothing out of it. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the, uh, the tropics, right? Uh, the Flint Tropics. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, please keep sending those uh, messages in. We uh, we love to answer them. And um, hey, remember that episodes five and six of The Last Dance will continue next Sunday at 9 p.m. Two episodes each Sunday night. Three and four, then five and six, and seven and eight, and then, then nine and ten. Going to be great. 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. But if you're still looking for more on episodes three and four, which aired Sunday night, Remember, you can listen to the weekly wrap-up podcast hosted by Jalen and Jacoby, which is presented by State Farm and AT&T and posted immediately after the TV broadcast. Watch the two episodes. Then as you get ready for bed, 
listen to Jalen Jacoby, the after show available wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective podcast. Have a great week. We'll talk to you in a few days.